0: I have
1: found Outbeat News In-Depth for you.
2: Good evening and welcome to Outbeat News In-Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, unfortunately, due to an illness, we had to cancel our celebration of the 25th anniversary of positive images. So instead, we're going to give you an in-depth look at the landmark same-sex marriage case going before the United States Supreme Court this Tuesday.
1: The Supreme Court will hear arguments involving same-sex marriage bans from four states, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Michigan. Supporters and protesters from across the country are traveling to Washington ahead of the hearing. Passions are running high as the Supreme Court takes up the issue of marriage equality. The final decision will be named after the Ohio lawsuit, the first to reach the justices, Obergefell versus Hodges. Jim Obergefell wants his legal Maryland marriage to be recognized on his husband's Ohio death certificate.
3: It's my way to live up to the promises I made to him over time. And you know, when we said I do, there are promises that are
1: In Kentucky, Greg Burke and Michael DeLeon are asking for their legal Canadian marriage recognized and for both men to be the legal parents of their two adopted children. In Tennessee, Valeria Tanko and Sophie Jeste have a child together and want recognition of their legal New York wedding. And in Michigan, April DeBoer and Jane Rouse are fighting against Michigan's ban on adoption by same sex couples. They want to jointly adopt the three children they're raising together. It is not about the individuals, it's not about her and my relationship. This is about ensuring that our children will remain together no matter what happens to her and I." The Supreme Court will first consider whether states have the obligation to perform same-sex marriages. Then the court will hear arguments as to whether states are obligated to recognize same-sex marriages performed in other states. Reporting at the Supreme Court, I'm Jacqueline Paula Castro.
2: This case, like the infamous Lawrence versus Texas case that struck down sodomy laws back in 2003, will likely go down in history as a landmark civil rights decision that one way or the other will change the lives of LGBT people forever. Opinions about marriage equality are changing rapidly, and we'll share some of those views as well as introduce you to the real people behind the case who are putting their lives and relationships before the highest court in the land. All of this is coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, April 26th, 2015.
1: I have found Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond.
2: In the 1970s, Bruce Jenner was a symbol of American masculinity as an Olympic champion. And nearly 40 years later, in an extraordinary television interview... Jenner told the world that he identifies as a woman and has felt gender confusion since the time when he was a little boy growing up in the New York suburbs. Jenner let his hair down, literally loosening a ponytail and letting his hair flow past his shoulders in a symbolic moment at the start of a two-hour interview he did with ABC News' Diane Sawyer. Jenner said, quote, yes, for all intents and purposes, I am a woman. My whole life has been getting ready for this. Jenner said he identifies as her, not a specific name. But he told Sawyer that he felt comfortable using the pronouns he and him, a designation that is an important issue for many in the transgender community, which believes that transgender people should be referred to by the pronouns with which they choose to identify. For the trans community, this moment was as significant as Ellen DeGeneres' coming out as a lesbian nearly 20 years ago. DeGeneres tweeted support to Jenner saying the former Olympian was, quote, saving lives and opening minds. In its prom season and at a Las Vegas high school, one prom proposal went viral this week when Jacob Lesinski asked his best friend Anthony Martinez to prom. Not unusual these days for two young men, but Jacob is straight and Anthony is gay. Jacob figured who better to go to the dance with than someone he considers a brother? Jacob popped the question by unfurling a giant banner that read, quote, You're hella gay, I'm hella straight, but you're like my brother, so be my date. Anthony is on the student council and is often responsible for planning dances, but lamented that he never gets to go. Anthony said of Jacob in a post, quote, He's a real man, given that he has the guts to fulfill my gay student council dream of always helping out planning dances but never getting asked. I couldn't ask for a better person in my life. And here locally, the divisions within the Bay Area's Catholic community over gay rights hit Marin Catholic High School full force this last week when a group of nuns walked out of their classes to protest the sponsors of a program intended to protect gay and lesbian teens from bullying. Five members of the Dominican Sisters of Mary order exited their classrooms last Friday as students began handing out flyers at the Kent Field School promoting the annual Nationwide Day of Silence. Their walkout came one day after 100 prominent local Catholics attracted national attention by taking out a full-page ad in the San Francisco Chronicle calling on the Pope to oust Archbishop Salvador Cordiglione, in part for trying to get teachers at the Catholic schools to sign off on a morality clause that characterizes homosexual relations as, quote, gravely evil. Marin Catholic President Tim Davoni and Principal Chris Valdez tried to put out the latest brush fire with a letter to parents about a challenging day on our campus. The school declined to participate in the day of silence. Instead, a morning prayer was read over the school's PA system to, quote, acknowledge and pray for students everywhere who have the experience of being ostracized, marginalized, or silenced by bullying. School officials said, quote, our intention was not to take part in the day of silence, but rather to take a moment in the morning to pray together as a school community. Sister Claire Marie, one of the teachers later wrote in a lengthy email to her students when some Marin Catholic High School students began handing out Day of Silence-related stickers and flyers on campus this Friday. Five nuns felt compromised, offended, and uncomfortable. She said sisters do not support bigotry or any kind of prejudice, but they were compelled to act out against an event promoted by a group that believes actively promoting homosexuality in all K-12 classrooms. Now here's your calendar of events for the coming week. On Monday, April 27th, and every Monday at 5.30 p.m., the Petaluma Health Center will host an LGBT support group at 1179 North McDowell Boulevard in Petaluma. And on Tuesday, April 28th at 1.30 p.m., the Santa Rosa Senior Group will gather at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation at the Glacier Center. And on Wednesday, April 29th, starting at noon, the Petaluma General LGBT Support Group will happen at Casa Grande High School. This is for young people 12 to 18 years of age. And also on Wednesday at 5 p.m., Spectrum's youth support group will gather at the Spectrum Center, 30 North San Pedro Road in San Rafael. And finally, on Saturday, May 2nd, the Mad Header Tea Twisted Tea Party Gala, benefiting the Green Dog Rescue Project, will take place with entertainment, games, hors d'oeuvres, and drinks, as well as silent and live auctions. Special guests will include the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, with an appearance by the Transcendence Theatre Company. The event will take place at the Hyatt Vineyard Creek, 170 Railroad Street in Santa Rosa, and you can learn more at greendogproject.org. For more information about LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to gaysonoma.com. And for the latest LGBT news headlines, go to our website at outbeatnews.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates from Outbeat Radio News all week long. For Gary Carnavelli, I'm Greg Moralia.
1: Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond.
2: Marriage equality was before the United States Supreme Court just two years ago in cases that literally changed the landscape of marriage for 70% of the country's population. Here's CNBC's Rachel Maddow.
4: A sense of inevitability uh, can be a dangerous thing. Momentum can be a deceptive thing. On one of the most contentious issues in American politics and American civil rights, the momentum has really felt momentous uh, just over the past couple of years. On the, on the morning of June 26, 2013, there were 12 states in the country where it was legal for same sex couples to get married. 12. Uh, That day, uh, June 2013, uh, the Supreme Court issued their landmark ruling in the case of E.D. Windsor. That ruling struck down part of the Bill Clinton era anti-gay marriage law called the Defense of Marriage Act. The Windsor ruling uh, did not legalize gay marriage across the country, but it did contain some pretty powerful language about the law showing animus toward gay people and gay people being treated as second class citizens. Conservative Justice Antonin Scalia was his usual level of snark furious about the Windsor ruling uh, from which he dissented. He said he not only disagreed with the majority ruling that day, he said the ruling was written so broadly and so poorly that it might as well have just legalized gay marriage across the land. He said, quote, the majority arms well every challenger to a state law restricting marriage in its, to its traditional definition. And when Anton Scalia said that, he meant that as an insult, <laughs> he meant that as a bad thing, uh, but to the delight of gay rights supporters everywhere, Justice Scalia, in that doom-laden pronouncement, he turned out to be right. On the morning before that decision came out, it was legal for same-sex couples to get married in 12 states across the country. That was June 23- 2013, as of that morning. Since that morning, you can add California to the list, and then New Jersey, and then Hawaii. And then Illinois, and then New Mexico, and then Oregon, and then Pennsylvania, and then Virginia, and then Oklahoma, and then Utah, and then Wisconsin, and then Indiana, and then Colorado, and then Nevada, and then West Virginia, and then North Carolina, and then Alaska, and then Wyoming, and then Kansas. They're still fighting it tooth and nail, but yes, Kansas, and then Montana, and then South Carolina, and then Florida. You know, this is what momentum feels like. State after state after state after state after state being told by the courts to recognize equal marriage rights, or the states themselves reading the writing on the wall, you know, watching that momentum across the country and deciding that they were going to do it on their own, on their own terms. It has only been 18 months since E.D. Windsor's case. And since then, the proportion of people in this country living where there are equal marriage rights has gone from less than 20 percent of the population to 50 percent of the population to 70 percent of the population. We've gone from 12 states to 13 states to 14 states, on and on and on and on and on, up to 36 states now. It it was an inevitable tide. It was an almost unbroken string of political decisions and court victories all going toward equal marriage rights in more and more and more states. It's been a sort of exhilarating year and a half. It was all going one direction, one state after the other, everything going in the same direction until it wasn't until what seemed like an irreversible tide one day turned the other direction. There had been an almost unbroken string of something like 40 court decisions after Windsor, all in the decision of legalizing marriage rights, until November, two days after the midterm elections, when Democrats just got it handed to them, two days after those results in the midterm elections came in, two days after, an appeals court in Ohio, federal appeals court, just one level below the Supreme Court, they went the other way. And that ruling in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, that ruling upheld bans on gay marriage in four states, in Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, and Tennessee. That November decision was more than just sort of a fly fly in the ointment, right? It's more than just sort of a speed bump on the way to some inevitable destination. That November decision by that appeals court made the whole inevitability thing sort of go away. It also, in technical terms, created a split in the courts. One of the basic functions of the U.S. Supreme Court is to settle things that are in dispute among the lower courts. And now we really do have that dispute. All the other courts said one thing. This one court, Sixth Circuit, said something else. So who's going to decide? The Supreme Court. They're going to hear specifically the cases from those four states who were told by the Sixth Circuit that their bans on gay marriage were actually constitutionally okay. And then probably in June the Supreme Court of the United States will issue what very well might be the biggest gay rights ruling ever. And maybe that ruling will be Antonin Scalia's nightmare come true, right? Maybe the momentum was real. The sense of inevitability was for a reason. It was just a speed bump that one ruling. Maybe the Supreme Court really will rule that nationwide it is unconstitutional for any state to ban same-sex couples from marrying. And in so doing, the court will ensure that there will be unitary, national, equal marriage rights in this country. That could happen. Or, maybe, with this conservative court, they have something else in mind. You know, they they might decide to legalize same-sex marriage nationwide. But you know what? They might also decide that statewide bans on gay marriage actually are constitutional. And all these lower court judges who've been saying otherwise and overturning all those gay marriage bans, those judges have been getting it all wrong. Some of the states who have legalized equal marriage rights in the last couple of years have done so because they wanted to, places like, you know, Hawaii and Illinois, right? But but in more than 20 states, equal marriage is only legal in those places right now. Same-sex couples are only married in those states right now because of the order of a federal judge. If this conservative Supreme Court decides to roll back what those other federal judges have been doing, well, then this is the case where, at the stroke of a pen, the Supreme Court of the United States could yank existing rights in dozens of states all at once. There's been a lot of momentum on this issue over a very short period of time over these last couple of years. What the court decided today could either mean that that momentum is real, and it's going to keep going, and it's going to sweep across the country, and we will have a national answer to this civil rights question once and for all. But just as equally, the court could decide that all that momentum... Particularly over the last year and a half, all that momentum is about to be thrown back as illusory gains, as too much, too fast. When you look at this court, which do you think they're going to do?
2: For the last decade, the debate about marriage equality has been passionate, to say the least. and People like Tony Perkins have been outspoken about the need to preserve what he calls, quote, natural marriage. While civil rights champions like attorney Ted Olson have argued that the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause demands marriage equality to be provided for all. Here's Ted Olson debating with Tony Perkins on Fox News.
5: We want to drill down into the legal status and merits of same-sex marriage with two top advocates. Leading conservative Ted Olson represented the plaintiffs in the Virginia case and is co-author of Redeeming the Dream, the case for marriage equality. Tony Perkins is president of the Family Research Council, and gentlemen, welcome back to Fox News Sunday. Mr. Olson. let me start with you. Why do you think that the Supreme Court decided not to intervene in these cases, and can we take from that that there's now a majority in the court who feels that there is a constitutional right to same-sex marriage?
6: No one knows what goes on in the United States Supreme Court when they're deciding to take a case or how they decide a case. But what the Supreme Court was looking at on Monday when it rendered its decision not to review these pending cases is a record of something like 25 federal judges at the district court and at the appeal level, who had which had consistently ruled that same-sex marriage bans were unconstitutional. I think what the justices saw was a trend, overwhelming trend in the same direction and felt that the federal courts were handling this issue in an appropriate and proper way and decided not to weigh in.
5: Mr. Perkins, let me go a little further than Ted Olson because he has to argue before the court. If a majority felt that there was no constitutional right and it actually takes a minority, only four of the nine justices to decide to review a case, Why would they make a non-ruling in this case which will allow thousands? of more people to have same-sex marriages.
7: Well, I mean, Ted is more of an expert on the Supreme Court. You still have two circuits that uh, have decisions coming up that look favorable toward natural marriage. But I think the effect here is what you need to look at. I think the effect of this is the court did a a back alley type Roe v. Wade judicial decision by letting the lower courts do uh, their their evil bidding. And the result of that is such, you go, go back to 1973 when the court imposed abortion on the nation. It was to resolve the issue Forty-one years later, that issue is now a political issue in every election from president on down. This issue is not going away, despite what the court may say. I
5: I have to ask you to respond. Back alley, Roe versus
6: Wade? Yeah, I think the um, analogy would be to the 1967 decision of the United States Supreme Court that struck down bans on interracial marriage. We now understand, and the American public believes, that that was a right decision, and that's right for America. Over... Fifty-nine percent of Americans now believe that marriage equality should be the law of the land. Individuals should be allowed to get married uh, to the person that they love. The individuals involved in these cases have been together for decades. They now want to be a part of the community and to be a part of our society by marrying and living with the people that they love. But let me pick up
5: on, on one of the central concerns that people have about all this. In all 16 of the states that because of the Supreme Court's non-decision uh, may now have say legal same-sex marriage, there was a ban on those same-sex marriage either approved by the state legislature or pop, popular referendum. Mr. Olson, you have a long record of opposing what you call or people call judicial activism. Here's what Senator Ted Cruz said this week. Take a look. We shouldn't have unelected judges striking down our marriage laws trying to impose their public policy notion on the state of Texas and on states where the elected legislatures have made the decision to preserve and protect traditional marriage. Question. Why should judges overrule the demonstrated will of the people either through referenda or through state legislative action?
6: We have a constitution and a Bill of Rights precisely because we want protections from majority rule. When the majority uh, in a legislature or a popular vote take away rights of individuals that are protected by the Bill of Rights, then we have an independent judiciary to rectify that situation. It's happened again and again and again throughout the, this country's history. We have an independent judiciary to protect the rights of individuals like gay and lesbian citizens who only want respect, decency, equality, along with the rest of us. M-
5: Mr. Perkins, let me go back to the 1967 case. There were bans on interracial marriages. In a number of states, the Supreme Court simply ruled... Those bans are unconstitutional. We're, As Mr. Olson, apples and oranges. Mr. Olson says, and it's an argument we don't get to vote on the Bill of Rights. Why is it apples and uh, apples oranges? Apples and
7: oranges, because we're we're talking about an arbitrary boundary created by a man between the races that doesn't exist in nature. There is a boundary between people of the same sex getting married. So they can't procreate. They can't. There, there's nothing in nature to say that that's normal. But to go back, this is an unprecedented decision. Voters in two-thirds of the states have affirmatively gone out to protect the definition of marriage. This is the only time in a period of two decades in which voters and their elected representatives have affirmatively embraced the definition of marriage in their state policy. And now you have the courts overturning that, robbing the people of their vote and their voice. What, What we see here, I believe, is that the court has lit a fuse to a powder keg. Culturally, that is going to have ramifications for years to come in this nation. All right,
5: year. We, we, let's talk about the merits of this. And obviously, different people have different views. What is your single strongest argument against allowing same-sex marriage?
6: Well, I'd like to ask Ted, what's the purpose of marriage? The purpose of marriage is what the Supreme Court has said 14 times. It's a fundamental right that involves privacy, association, liberty, and being with the person that you love and forming a part of our community and being treated equally with the rest of society. Now, over... Uh, if you look at people under the age of 30, you're talking about a powder keg? Oh, people under the age of 30, it's like 80% That's of people true. agree, well, that is true. true. Look at the, the, oh, word. Word oh, word. the wait. wait, wait. The wait last, you you, you, you answered
5: answer his question. Now, what's your answer to him? Well,
7: first off, marriage is not to affirm adults. It's for the protection of children. And if love is the only factor, where do you draw the boundaries?
6: Well. What the Supreme Court said in the cases that it decided last year involving the defense of marriage case, striking that down, is that children do matter. There are thousands and tens of thousands of children in same-sex marriage households, they deserve the right to equality and the same respect and decency that other people have that living right M- next Mr. door. Mr.
7: Well, but we know from the social science that children do best with a mom and a dad. That's why our policies in this country have preferred marriage and given benefits to it. But let me, if, if love is the factor, what boundaries are there?
6: You want the sky to fall because two people that are living next no, door to you? Do you the, what? court after court after court has said that allowing people of the same sex to marry the person that they love and be a part of our community and to be treated equally has no does no damage to heterosexual marriage and it does and what the courts court after court after court has said that children living in a same sex relationship do as well or better than people in the other court, communities. The court doesn't study this social the, fact. The Look, court, but
5: but me me what
7: <laughs> are the boundaries, though? If, if it's just love, what are the boundaries? Where can we go with marriage? If well, we What are you we,
5: suggesting? That there are going to be polygamy? That, if, if, that, that people remove, will be marrying their pets?
7: If we, 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 we remove, no, I didn't say that. If we remove the natural, established boundaries for marriage, the union of a man and a woman, we have removed, we've removed those boundaries, those guardrails. There is no arbitrary boundary that Ted Olson
5: makes, which is, all right, you and your wife live happily in this house there 's a, a same sex couple living here what 's the damage to you
7: well let 's talk about that let 's talk about the the wedding vendors that have been put out of business let's talk I'm not, about i 'm
5: ta- not talking about that it, it 's a different issue no it 's a different issue it 's a different issue i 'm asking you what 's the impact on you and well, your, well, your family to have these people living well, let 's talk
7: about it let 's talk about okay. my children all of a sudden in school are taught values and morals that contradict what I teach as a parent at home. That's happening already across the country in those states that have recognized and forced same-sex marriage on the states. But let's talk about the business place. Let's talk about Aaron and Melissa Klein, a, baker, a bakery in Oregon, forced out of business, forced to pay $150,000 in fines simply because they didn't want to participate in a same-sex Okay, wedding. We're
5: going to get to that in a second, but your, your argument as to whether somehow this damages the Perkins to have another couple next door. It,
6: well, everyone who's ever talked about this says that there's no heterosexual couple that is going to decide to get divorced or not to get married or not to raise children just because another couple next to them. Uh, is treated equally and with respect and decency under our Constitution. That is why we have courts. The same argument Mr. Perkins was making was made with respect to interracial marriages in 1967. Thirty-some states at one point prohibited interracial marriages. And talk about the color of the skin. People were making the same arguments. Marriage is wrong between people of of different races. We have to stop that. Uh, When the Supreme Court finally acted, 16 states... We're still prohibiting interracial marriages. As far as the the marriage vendors, um, the people in the in the flower business or in the, the in, in, in in the cake business or whatever it happens to be, we have a civil we have civil rights laws that say if you're going to engage in commerce, you're not going to discriminate against people on the basis of their religion, of their sex, or their race. Um, that's a simple solution to the problem. Massachusetts right. Massachusetts business? allowed. Uh, same-sex marriage 10 years ago. Nobody's been put out of business in Massachusetts. It's a canard.
5: I'm going to give you the final word, and in, in your answer, I'd like you to talk about what role you think this will play in the 2016 republican presidential battle
7: well look, look adoption agencies have been to put out of business in massachusetts parents have been denied the right to determine the values their children have taught. this affects families it affects all of americans and it's wrong for the court to take away the voice of the people i think it's an issue not only in 2016 like roe v wade the court wanted it to go away 41 years ago it's still here this issue will be here for decades to come if the court does not allow the states and the people to deal with it
8: i've heard there was a secret court that david played and it pleased the lord but you don't Like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, and the major lift. seen this floor I used to live alone before
2: Heated legal battle like this one are real people and real lives. There are four couples who will this Tuesday put their lives and relationship before the nine U.S. Supreme Court justices. Last week, NPR's Nina Totenberg talked with the accidental activists who will appear before the court this Tuesday.
1: The arguments come from cases in Ohio, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Michigan. As we begin this hour, we're going to hear about the people who brought these cases, some of the names that will be part of a landmark decision this summer, regardless of which way it goes.
0: NPR legal affairs correspondent Nina Totenberg has this report. It's an extraordinarily high-stakes legal battle, but the men and women at the center of it think of themselves as incredibly ordinary. They include doctors, lawyers, an army sergeant, nurses, and teachers. Most have children and lead the typically harried lives of working parents. They say they didn't set out to be pioneers. They consider themselves accidental activists, meaning they filed lawsuits not to further a cause, but because of the way the bans affected their lives. In Michigan, for example, April DeBoer and Jane Rouse, both nurses, have four adopted children, two of them with disabilities. As April puts it, they didn't plan to challenge the state's marriage law. We have a marriage, we just don't have a a piece of paper that legally binds us to each other.
3: And we are just the the run-of-the-mill, you know, neighbors, parents, our dog... (laughs)
0: Sorry, apparently our dog doesn't agree. (laughs) That's Jane and the dog. Because Michigan will not let a same-sex couple adopt, but will let a single person adopt, Jane has adopted two of the children and April the other two. And while their lives may be ordinary, their deeds are not. Their son Jacob, initially placed with them through foster care, turned out to be the baby April had been taking care of for 25 weeks in the neonatal intensive care unit where she works. The couple would soon learn that doctors expected Jacob to die quite quickly. April and Jane didn't like that scenario and went on a crusade to salvage his health. A year or so into Jacob's recovery, April brought him back to the hospital for tests and took him up to see the head of the neonatal intensive care unit. The doctor was astonished. The doctor said there's only two things in this world that could have saved your son, God and a mother's love. And he told me apparently he had both on his side. Jacob is now a thriving five-year-old. As far as he's concerned, April and Jane are both his parents. But under Michigan law, because they're not married, only one of them can be on the adoption papers. The wake-up call about their legal status came after a truck in the wrong lane nearly hit their car head-on. April DeBoer says the near-miss got them thinking. We started to seek out information on protecting our kids and putting wills and trusts in place to make sure that our kids are protected. But there was nothing they could do to ensure that if one of them died, the surviving parent would get custody of the children adopted by the deceased parent, Jane Rouse. A judge could award that child to someone else, effectively making them a legal stranger to the child that they've helped raise since birth. So they went to court to challenge the state's adoption law. The judge told them they'd lose and suggested that they instead challenge Michigan's marriage ban.
9: I met Randy and that was August 17th of 1991.
0: Hundreds of miles away in Kentucky, Paul Campion and Randy Johnson face many of the same problems. Paul, a school counselor, and Randy, a hospital administrator, have been together for 24 years, raising a family of three boys and one girl. Both come from large families. Paul, the youngest of eight, raised in a conservative Catholic family, was an altar boy. Randy, a Southern Baptist, went to church three times a week, As a teenager, he denied being gay for fear of being condemned to hell.
10: And then when I graduated from college, I decided that the only choice that I really was going to make was to not lie about who I was.
0: After falling in love, the couple began long conversations about having a family.
10: We thought originally that being a gay man meant not having a family because that's what we saw. We decided that that did not have to be the case for us.
0: Like many of the couples in the gay marriage lawsuits, they decided to adopt. They searched long and hard to find an agency that would even consider them, and in February of 1995, these two preppy-looking white men rushed to the hospital to begin caring for their newborn African-American twin boys, Paul Campion.
9: Right from that moment, the kids were with us doing feedings every three hours, four hours, changing diapers. And so we immediately went into parent mode.
0: The adoption, however, was not final. And again, only one of the two parents could actually adopt. The couple decided that Paul would be the one. And their lawyer advised Randy not to be in court for fear that if the judge saw two men, it would raise questions. So Randy waited in the parking lot while Paul and his sister held the baby boys in the courtroom when the adoption was finalized. Finalized, Randy Johnson.
3: It was a dream
10: come true to actually become parents, and our lives have revolved around that role since that day, over 20 years ago.
0: Randy and Paul would eventually add to their family, adopting a daughter, now 12, and another son, now 16. The twins, now 20, are both in college. In 2008, when gay marriage was briefly legalized in California, the couple got married there, but their marriage is still not recognized in Kentucky. Paul Campion.
9: It affects us in so many ways, death benefits, health insurance,
0: Because Kentucky does not recognize them as one family, they have to have two family health insurance policies. And when Paul was diagnosed with prostate cancer three years ago, they had to shop for a doctor who would recognize Randy as his full partner with decision-making power if necessary. I think so many people being out nowadays
8: just shows everybody how incredibly boring and normal we
0: are. (laughs) Across the state line in Tennessee, veterinarians Sophie Justy and Val Tanko are the quintessential high achieved professional couple. The decisions about where to live are often career driven. That's Sophie, a specialist in animal cardiology. Her spouse, Val, is a specialist in animal gynecology and fertility. They were married in New York in 2011 and began looking for jobs as academic veterinarians. They were elated when both were offered posts at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, where they now teach, do clinical work, and conduct research. But Tennessee does not recognize their New York marriage. That presented further complications when Val got pregnant with their daughter, Amelia, through artificial insemination. Under Tennessee law, Sophie could not also be Amelia's legal parent. So they sued, and through a legal quirk, Sophie became the first female dad in Tennessee. Because Amelia was born in the short window of time where there was a court order requiring Tennessee to recognize their New York marriage, Sophie Justy is listed on the birth certificate as Amelia's father.
8: Well, I'm definitely not a father, but, you know, the, the state on the birth certificates has only two slots. One is for mother and one is for father. So to be on the birth certificate, my name occupied the father slot.
0: That could change. If Tennessee wins its case, it could try to reissue Amelia's birth certificate. Though all these couples and more are part of the case that will be heard in the Supreme Court, the name that will go down in history is Jim Obergefell.
3: There was no expectation that this would turn into what it has.
0: Obergefell's case was the first filed, and the consolidated cases are known as Obergefell versus Hodges, Hodges being the Ohio official whose department handles death certificates. It is the death certificate of Obergefell's longtime partner that's at the center of their case. Jim Obergefell and John Arthur met in their mid-20s and soon became inseparable. Over the next two decades, they even worked together at various large corporate firms in service and training positions. Jim Obergefell.
3: It was John and Jim. Everybody knew it. It was no issue.
0: But in 2011, John was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He quickly went from a cane to a walker to a wheelchair. The two men had talked about getting married, but the native Ohioans wanted to marry in their home state, and same-sex marriage was not legal there. In 2013, the Supreme Court struck down the federal law barring federal recognition of same-sex marriages performed in states where they're legal. John was in his bed in the living room when the news flashed across the TV screen.
3: I just immediately leaned over, hugged him, gave him a kiss and said, let's get married. It just seemed like the most perfect thing possible to do at that moment.
0: Friends and family quickly raised the $13,000 for a medical charter to Maryland, and soon the couple was off, with a nurse, medical technician, two pilots, and John's aunt, Paulette Roberts, who'd been ordained online so she could marry them. They landed on the tarmac at Thurgood Marshall Airport in Baltimore, and the ceremony commenced.
3: We got to make those promises to each other, those legal promises, and it was incredible. And within 15 minutes, we were back in the air, heading back to Cincinnati.
0: Jim says they just never thought about what would happen in Ohio.
3: And it wasn't until a few days after we got married that that issue was presented to us. And it was heartbreaking.
0: Through a friend, a civil rights lawyer came to Jim and John's home to explain that Ohio would not recognize the marriage. He pulled out a blank death certificate
3: And said, Now, do you realize when
0: John dies, the state of Ohio
3: will say he's single, and this blank here for surviving spouse name will
0: be blank. Your name won't show up there, Jim. The couple immediately filed suit. Because of John's health, the judge heard arguments the following court day, and that same afternoon issued his ruling requiring the state to recognize Jim as John's spouse on a death certificate. Three months and 11 days later, John Arthur died. The death certificate listed Jim Obergefell as his surviving spouse. If the state wins its case in the Supreme Court, it can reissue a death certificate without Jim's name.
3: We did not set out to be activists. We did not set out to become a named plaintiff at the Supreme Court. Nothing at all like that. We just simply wanted
0: respect. Obergefell knows his name will be on a landmark case, whichever way it goes.
3: But for me, it's still just about me and John. It's a very personal thing to me still. Nina Totenberg, NPR
0: News, Washington.
2: It's anyone's best guess how the court will rule, though many experts see the issues as being similar to the Loving case when the U.S. Supreme Court struck down laws banning interracial marriage. Businesses like Google, Apple, and Facebook have all filed briefs urging the court to strike down the remaining same-sex marriage bans. President Obama recently had this to say about the pending case. As you
11: uh, mentioned, uh, my sense is is that the Supreme Court is about to uh, make a shift, uh, one that I welcome, uh, which is to recognize that uh, having hit a critical mass of states that have recognized uh, Uh, same-sex marriage uh, that uh, it doesn't make sense for us to now have this patchwork uh, system and that uh, it's time to recognize that uh, under the equal protection clause of the united states uh, same-sex couples uh, should have the same rights as uh, as anybody else
4: there are a few officials in alabama starting with judge roy moore but also a number of probate judges who are resisting that do you see do you see shades of george wallace in the schoolhouse door
11: well, I, I, look, uh, I, I won't. Uh, I won't say it's a perfect analogy, but there's a core principle here that's at stake, which is uh, we have a supremacy clause in our Constitution. Uh, when federal law is in conflict with state law, federal law wins out. Uh, and my understanding is that uh, uh, my recollection is Judge Moore uh, had a similar problem with. Uh, a federal court ruling that you couldn't put a huge uh, uh, Tenth uh, uh, Ten Commandments uh, uh, statue uh, in the middle of your courthouse, and uh, ultimately, uh, federal law was uh, was obeyed. And I think that uh, the same thing will end up happening here.
5: Was there anything you'd say to him?
11: Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, the courts. Uh, at the federal level will have something to say to him.
2: Here's attorney David Boyce, one of the great minds behind the defeat of Proposition 8, with his predictions about how things will go.
10: Boyce's career has been littered with storied cases, Bush v. Gore, Westmoreland v. CBS, and United States v. Microsoft, a case that I covered extensively and let me get to know David. But as important to him as any of these cases was Perry v. Schwarzenegger, in which he and Ted Olson successfully overturned California's Proposition 8 ban on gay marriage. David, um, this is the big one, right? This is the big one. This is the big one. The Supreme yeah. Court uh, is now is asking the question frontally about the 14th Amendment. Right. Does the 14th Amendment require states essentially to accept sex, same-sex marriage, and it forced them to accept same-sex marriage licenses from other states? Exactly. T- explain, well, does it?
12: Yeah. Well, it, it, this, this is going to resolve it. I mean, What the Supreme Court has done is they signaled that they're going to resolve this issue once and for all, and they've taken on the two issues that exist. One, can a state ban marriages between gay and lesbian citizens simply based on sex and sexual orientation? Right. Uh, And second, if they can, do they nevertheless have to recognize marriage is done someplace else? So just on the the
10: merits, on your basis, on what you know about constitutional law, which is a fair amount, right? Does the 14th Amendment uh, under equal protection, does it it compel uh, the nation now to accept same-sex marriage?
12: Absolutely. I, I think the um, the argument is overwhelming, that there is a federal constitutional right to marry the person that you love, and 36 states have held that. 70 percent of the American people now live in a state uh, that has constitutional uh, or statutory marriage equality, and the um, history of the Supreme Court is a history of case after case after case holding that marriage is a fundamental right,
13: yeah.
12: uh, that it protects individual freedom freedom of expression, freedom of association, that it's a basic element of liberty, and I think that the Supreme Court uh, stepped right up to that in the Windsor case. Yeah. It didn't go all the way, but you read the Windsor case, and you read the Lawrence case of ten years ago, and you can't read that reasoning and not conclude that there's a federal constitutional right to marry, and Justice Scalia... Agrees with me yes. because he said that in dissent. Said it would be, yes, yes, he did.
10: So, so it has always struck me that basically this is miscegenation all over yes. again. Yeah, this is, is loving yeah. Virginia. Is. There's, and there's no just fundamental distinction. Once right. you accept the notion that uh, your sexual preferences are innate right. um, and not a choice, exactly. that it is the same as skin pigmentation, basically. If we accept uh, interracial marriages, we have to accept gay marriages too.
12: I, th- think that's, I think that's exactly right. And um, uh, in addition to uh, the Perry case, uh, Ted Olson and I represented plaintiffs in Virginia. Yeah. And one of the things that the federal district court judge said in holding that the Virginia's ban was unconstitutional. Is that this is just like loving against Virginia.
10: Yeah. Let me ask you now to s- step out of the mode of legal analyst or constitutional analyst and into the mode of political analyst, right? And when I say political analyst in this case, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Supreme Court itself. Yes. You know these justices. Yeah. I, I, I would yeah. wager that you have right. met all of yeah. them yeah. and you have tried cases in front of right. most, if not all yeah. of them. Um, we know that there are four justices who are going to be for same-sex marriage. Right. Um, we, don't, we know that there are at least three who are going to be against same-sex marriage. Um, talk about the dynamic. Like, read the tea leaves on Anthony Kennedy and the, the, and the Chief Justice, John
12: Roberts. Right. Uh, I think it's always hard to predict how a justice is going to come out. But I think that if you look at Justice Kennedy's opinions, in Lawrence against Texas, uh, Romer against Colorado, uh, the Windsor case, you can't read those opinions without believing that what the court has done is to stake out the basic legal underpinnings of a right to marriage equality. Uh, everything that is said in those opinions about how uh, individual views of morality is not a basis for legislation, that everyone has a right to dignity uh, regardless of their sexual orientation, that the Constitution protects. This equality, I think everything that's in there, really says that there is a federal constitutional right. And remember, each one of those decisions were five-four. Okay. Um, now, uh, uh, Justice Chief Justice Roberts was in dissent in Windsor, yep. and I think that you have to begin with the proposition that each of the justices that was in dissent in Windsor, um, you have more of an uphill battle to convince than you do the justices that were in the majority. Does it play to someone like Chief Justice Justice Roberts's mind that
10: he has fallen out of favor with uh, conservatives <laughs> over the uh, over upholding the, the Affordable Care Act, and he now needs to kind of do a makeup ruling, <laughs> uh, or is or is this or is Chief Justice Roberts essentially a centrist who's looking for consensus? There are those who say he's the ultimate court politician, and that is what he wants to do. He wants there to be not so many five to four rulings. He wants six threes and seven twos and unanimous co- rulings. I,
12: I do believe that he he wants a less fragmented. Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh, I, do want, I do believe that um, he believes, and I believe, that the Supreme Court's image um, uh, is enhanced if you have 637290 decisions, and there are a lot of them. Yeah. The problem is there are not a lot of them in these really high profile contentious issues. Yeah. And I think that he'd like to see the court uh, speak with more than one voice. I don't believe, however. Yeah. That that's going to change his vote on a case like this. If the court goes the other way
10: yeah. and, and doesn't do what you think it will do on the basis of both the constitutional law and the politics of it, what does that mean for the 36 states in the country where gay marriage is now legal? What are the, consequ- the practical consequences if the court does not find a 14th Amendment right to same-sex marriage?
12: In the short term, there are no consequences, because in each of those cases, there is a statute or a final judgment on a constitutional issue uh, that requires marriage equality. However, um, if you are in one of those states and there is a majority in favor of a ban, yeah. that majority could enact such a ban, and now the courts would not right. uh, presumably hold it unconstitutional under the federal constitution. Right. Now, you might still challenge it under state constitutions. Yeah. Um, And uh, you may still establish it uh, by legislation, but you would not have a federal constitutional challenge if the Supreme Court goes all the way. Right. Against us, right? But you, you, but you you do not think that's going to happen. Now. I don't I
10: think, think that's nice. going to happen. This guy. So here's the here's the, 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 the question for you. I want to ask you a po- really political yeah. question now. And stop. Don't even be a li- not. Don't be a litigator and don't be a Supreme Court tea leaf reader. Be a political consultant okay. Right okay. now. Um, if the court does go all the way and we now have gay marriage as the law of the land, how do you think leading Republicans should react to that in the presidential context for 2016?
12: I think they should be really happy, because it takes the issue off the table. Uh, I think that uh, this is one of those issues uh, that is a dagger at the heart of the Republican Party because you have people who want to make an issue of it, and yet I think the majority of Republicans, like the majority of the American people, realize that this is a bad thing to do to try to deprive uh people have the right to marry, that it's against family values, it's against all the things Republicans have ordinarily and traditionally stood for, and yet there's a wing within the Republican Party that votes in primaries and can be very disruptive. So I think um, the best thing that could happen for Republicans is for the Supreme Court to take this off the table for the next election.
10: And you would tell, if you were advising Jeb Bush, I know that's not, to- not, yeah. not maybe not totally as crazy as it yeah. sounds, if you were advising yeah, Jeb yeah, Bush right. in this scenario, you would say, uh, when that ruling came down, you would say, Jeb Bush do what?
12: I would say the Supreme Court has uh, spoken. I believe in the rule of law. Um, this is uh, something that's in the rearview mirror. Let's move forward, discuss the real issues. Uh, because I think that uh, if, if the Supreme Court does take the issue off the table, as I think they will. Yeah. I think that's a gift to Jeb.
10: Yeah. Justice Scalia has said that he thinks, even though he doesn't like the idea, right. that this is inevitable. Yeah. you think gay marriage for all Americans in 50 states is inevitable? Yes? I think it's inevitable. It's the right thing to do. It's long overdue, and I think we're going to have it this year. Thinking about the, 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 the constitutional arguments, the, the political arguments within the court, and the whole drift of where we are now in terms of American society, what's the bottom line on what you think will happen when the court rules on this case in June?
12: Nothing. I think people will get married, that will be a great thing. But there aren't going to be protests, right. the sky isn't going to fall, uh, traditional marriage is not going to be affected, except maybe strengthened. Right. Uh, I think what happened in Florida is illustrative. Uh, Florida just achieved uh, marriage equality through court decisions and the day that people started to get married, nobody cared. Right. And it, it, nobody cared to object. Yep. A lot of people cared that it was happening, but nobody th- came out to protest. Nobody felt it was a serious issue. The fact of the matter is everybody, conservatives, liberals, Republicans, Democrats, everybody, recognizes. That marriage equality doesn't threaten anybody. Right. Um it, 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 looking at
10: the court um, and looking at this issue, let me ask you to be like an odds maker uh, here, yeah. like Jimmy the Greek. yeah okay? Like when we read this decision when it comes down, yeah. predict the outcome and by what kind of a vote. Five, four, six, three, what?
12: I'd like to see it nine oh. Um, I think that's probably unlikely given the Windsor decision, although people who believe in stare stereo decisis might very well decide that they need to um, follow the principles that the court has articulated um if i had to guess i would guess five four um uh, if i had to uh, make a judgment i think the opinion will look very much uh like the principles articulated in lawrence uh and in windsor
10: yeah okay um you think thinking five four but six three might be possible
12: six th- i think six three is possible i'd like to see six three i'd okay. like to see seven two i think um Major civil rights decisions like this, I think ought to come 9-0. I think everybody on the court ought to want to be on the right side of this particular issue. Um, uh, Earl Warren did a great job of bringing the court together in the 1950s on racial civil rights. And I'd like to see that happen here. Um, uh, My guess is it's not going to happen, uh, but I'm an optimist.
2: Cases go before the U.S. Supreme Court this Tuesday, and a final decision from the court is expected at the end of June. Next month, we'll take a look at how Santa Rosa Junior College is making significant change to better support LGBT students and staff. We'll have faculty and students with us to talk about some of the new programs and initiatives the college is taking to create a welcoming and inclusive space. Tune in next Sunday night to Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB Radio 91. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News In Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia, exclusively for KRCB Radio. You can listen to our shows on demand on iTunes and on our website at OutbeatNews.com. And be sure to follow us all week long on our Facebook page and Twitter feed for the latest LGBT news from here in the North Bay and beyond.